This episode of Sounding Board was recorded on Monday the 10th of December 2018. This was before Sir Graham Brady, leader of the Conservative 1922 committee, received the 48 letters needed for a no-confidence vote in Theresa May, the current leader of the Conservative Party and the Prime Minister. This podcast is about Brexit, but there are a couple of times when we refer to that in passing and wanted you to know why. Welcome to Sounding Board. Now, it's very difficult not to talk about Brexit at the moment, but we're going to try and come at it from a few different angles, and let's see where we end up. So Nick, you asked me an interesting question the other day, um, in the, what should a Remainer politician, and I think we should bear in mind that probably 60 to 70 percent of politicians are well, were pro remain, yes, still are. Yeah, um, what should they ask themselves when they're assessing the deal, the, the with you know the withdrawal agreement? What should what what questions should they be asking themselves? We, we were trying to boil it down to one question, weren't we? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, there are probably going to be a few things that they need to tick off, yeah. Um, but what you know, what should they be asking themselves because this is this is a different scenario to but to almost everything. That they've, um, you know, they've had to decide in their in their careers. Yes. We have very few referendums, um, and the ones that, the ones that we do have, like AV, you know, a lot easier than than than, than Brexit. I, you know, staying. You know, if we'd have gone to AV, that would have been very very easy to implement. Le- yes. Leaving the EU is 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 slightly different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, normally the way that we have our kind of representative democracy is that we vote in politicians. And then they make the decisions on yep. our behalf. Yep. Um, not necessarily what we want, but we allow them to make the decisions. With this one, the decision has already been made by the people in the referendum. By the electorate, by the yes. you know, by, by the seventeen point four million. Well, the, the, you know, the, the thirty-five odd million or whatever yep. who, who, who voted. Um, it was decided to leave the EU. Um, so now, Remainer politicians have got to ask themselves: Should I vote for this withdrawal deal? So what what, what are they asking themselves? So they can't actually vote for what they believe in, because what they believe in is to is to remain. So if, they, if they're asking themselves something like, "Is the deal better than what we've already got?" from their point of view, nothing will be, because we're going to be outside the single market, or you know, it could be outside the customs union. All the things that you and I think are burdens, they see as benefits. So if they're asking themselves a the question: Is this any good? I don't think they're ever going to come to a you know that we could have a fantastic Canada Plus deal. Um, where we're outside, you know, we're outside the single market. But we've got access to it. We're outside the customs union. We're not paying them any money. We've got free trade deals. We've got the ability to, you know, to to um, to have our own free trade deals with other countries. It could be fantastic. Everything that you and I have voted for, and I, I imagine the vast, vast majority of of Brexiteers, they'll still think that that that's worse. So they, you know, in in they need to they need to have we need to have a list of criteria. Well, they do. Where they are, you know, they can they can vote for the deal, yes or no, on the basis that it does what the referendum asks, which is to leave the EU, and that that's not easy. It it's not easy, and I think that's being shown by the fact that currently we have a prime minister who is trying to tie that that vote specifically to this deal. Like, this is what was always mooted in the referendum campaign. 
but but this is what you asked for, is what she's saying at the moment. If if we don't have this, you won't have Brexit. You and I disagree on that fundamentally, based on the content of this deal. Now, one of the first things I said to you was when when we were trying to come up with these questions, was, can I get out of this again? Yes, of course. <laughs> and and that's based on based on the the, the you know the, the many many legal opinions now the interpretation of this withdrawal agreement which is that once once we're in this backstop arrangement we can't get out again without the EU's permission and everyone agrees on that whether whether or not you call it or you want to try and spin it as an insurance policy or a contingency plan or whatever else once you're in it you can't get out of it at least the EU treaties have Article 50, which is specifically there to let you leave them, whereas this deal doesn't have that. What you said back to me was that, well, surely that's every treaty you should look at with that. That's, that's a given. That should, I mean, I think that should, that should go without saying. I mean, I'm, I'm frankly appalled that they'd even try and slip that one in and try and pull the wool over people's eyes. Um, you know, to try and get people to sign up to a treaty that you cannot leave. I'll take so, so what do you think of the EU in this situation then, with relation to that? And I don't want you just to badmouth the EU. No, no, I, I think they are thinking. I think they're rubbing their hands together and thinking, I can't believe we've managed to pull this off. I can't believe the Prime Minister of, of the, you know, of the United Kingdom um, is ta- uh, taking this to, you know. To and, and is this just the their government? their love of the the centralised system? And having you know governments and countries it is. They, under they, their control. They, they want to be a, a federal government. They want as much power and as much control as possible. And they've been this, quite open that they want as little democracy as part of that. Correct. And this is this gives them gives them that absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll take you back to. Do you remember the film Ronin? Yes. Right, the, the beginning of the film Ronin, where Robert Great De Niro film. Robert De Niro walks into uh, into the into the cafe, uh, and then he walks out soon afterwards, picks up a gun that he's already hidden. And he's asked, well, what was that all about? And he quite clearly says, I never walk into a place I can't walk out of. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that. You know, we should never go into, uh, into any treaty, any deal that we can't get out of. I mean, t- again, it's, it's, it's disappointing that it's this hard to leave the EU. We should never have yes. got as embedded with the EU as we have done because it should be, it should be easy to leave. These, 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 these institutions, these organisations... They should, we should be able to leave and, you know, to, to enter and leave every five years, every ten years if we want to. It should be, it should be very, very easy. Um, so the fact that she's putting a, a deal to, you know, to Parliament that we cannot leave at all um, without the EU's permission is, is appalling. It, it's just crazy, isn't it? It is. So I think, I think we can all agree that the deal should be voted down for that alone. Yep. But let's, let's, just, let's just say that that is, you know, we'll, we'll forget about that for the time being. Let's say that we can leave. What are the other what are the other questions that particularly remain politicians uh, should be asking themselves? Um, well, and the only things I could come up with uh, at the time were all very highly political answers to that question, weren't they? And this is why it's difficult. Uh, exactly, because they are politicians, because they do have an agenda. You you know you you kind of basically do want them to have an agenda if if they're there as uh, representing us, but every single question I came up with was based on whether or not they wanted to pick one, bring down the government, bring down Theresa May, force a second referendum. These were all 
the the reasons I I was giving for them to to answer one question about it. Um, but that's not what they should be doing. Well, no. What so what I, I what I think they should be doing um, is asking themselves: Does this deal fulfil the mandate given to them by the referendum? So yes. does, does does it? You know, are we leaving the EU? Yes. If, if you want to boil it down to one question, are we? Are, you know, aside from can we can we can we leave whatever we're going? Is, is is this is this a form of leave? But isn't that the problem? Aren't, aren't you just highlighting the issue with the referendum as it was put down in legislation? In that a, it was merely advisory, and b, it didn't mention the single market the customs union, Eurotom or anything else. It didn't talk about whether or not those institutions would be leaving, whether we'd be still a member of the EEA or EFTA. They didn't list a whole long, great long list of things that as far as you and I are concerned, and in fact, the public as well are all, in quotes, the EU. But they've got wiggle room, haven't they, from a technical point of view? Well, they have. They have now. Yes. Yeah. So, so, and and. But because of because of the framing of the entire question. Yes. As long as we leave, just the 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 bit that's called the EU, they fulfilled it. And they've and, and and so another thing is they they what they've managed to do is like you said they've got this wiggle room. Yeah, they're all on the TV. Remainers and Brexiteers saying, if if we vote to leave the EU, we're going to leave the single market. Yep. We're going to leave the customs union. We're going to leave the ECJ. You know, David Cameron said it. George Osmond said it. You know, Brexiteers said John it as Major well. John Major said it. John, yeah, John Major said it. Chuka um, Moon has said it. Nick Clegg said it. Uh, they all they all said it. So you know, they're they're, they're saying one thing uh, and 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 doing other. Um, but it's so, so there are there are other complications as well. So let's. If I, if I give you a scenario, yep. so you've got perhaps uh, an MP that votes to remain. There's an out-and-out Remainer, believes in the, in, in the, in the EU project yep. um, and you know, voted Remain, campaigned heavily for Remain. Um, so on the one hand, what he should be doing, in my opinion, is, is uh, trying to fulfil the outcome of the referendum because that's what the, you know, the, the, the country voted for. So he, sh- he should be doing what the country wants him to do but maybe he's in a Remain constituency. So does he do what ah. his constituents want, or does he do what the country wants? Rather than what the outcome of the entire referendum. So I, I still believe that politicians should be doing what the whole country wants, because that's what a referendum is. If there's a, refer- if there's a national referendum... Otherwise, what's, I the, agree what's, with what's you? the point of a, of a referendum? Well, and the point is that they counted the votes by constituency, because that's how votes are counted. Yes, but there is no other score other than total amount of leave voters, votes and total amount of remain votes. There is no, and I, and I hate it when either the media or politicians, let's face it, it's the politicians, come out and say, oh, Scotland voted to remain or London voted to remain. No, they didn't. The people who lived there did in a system you've just conjured out of thin air because... It wasn't about constituencies. Well, no, it wasn't about countries. There, there were no constituencies. No, in the exactly. Region. There were two and no camps. countries. No, exactly, exactly. The the union didn't matter. It was it was it was union wide, and it was you're either on one side, or you're on the other. But I suppose the the point you're trying to make is, are you a Democrat first or a Remainer first, or are you a Democrat for the country first or a Democrat for your constituency first? Right. So yes. that's 
that, you know, that, that's and more muddling as well. We had a general election. Yep. So let's, you know, let, let's say that uh, Theresa May didn't get quite, did, you know, lost even more seats than she had. She, you know, she let's say she fought the, the, ref, the um, she fought the election on a manifesto to leave the EU. Yep. Nobody else did. You know, perhaps Labour had like a woolly um, manifesto, or they could have, they could have even had you know to remain in their manifesto, as did you know the Lib Dems and perhaps some of the other parties, SNP, SNP yeah. etc. Um, let's say a coalition is cobbled together, uh, and Theresa May is not in power. Um, we, in fact, we, for this for this example, we could say that all the other manifestos had remaining in the EU. Yes. Um, you know, in them. So you know what happens then? But it's a hung parliament, so there's not a majority. Specifically, of uh, of MPs, you're saying that. Well, so we could we could say that. So let's say let's say Labour won. Let's say Labour wins on a manifesto to remain in the EU. Okay, is that democracy? This is what we come back to a lot, which is it's a form of democracy, and it's a form of representative democracy, but it clashes directly. With the referendum, direct democracy clashes with representative democracy mm. because you give your representatives a chance, essentially, to undo what you've told them to do. And in fact, yeah, you, it, it's a you you have one question in a referendum. You can't say a general election is on one question. It is on many questions. It is. On, I mean, I suppose devil's advocate in a referendum, you can vote one side or the other however way you like. You can vote for one side or the other because you don't like the person running the campaign or because you want to give one in the eye for, for some group or other. But I think we can all agree that a general election is a lot more complicated and that you're talking about running not just the outcome of whether or not we're leaving the EU in this case or changing a voting system or devolving a parliament, but you're talking about every other uh, local and national and international policy that the government has. So you are deliberately muddling it, which is exactly what Theresa May did in 2017. She, she, she just looked at the polls and thought she had an absolute shoe in and she, she thought she didn't have to campaign at all, but she was trying to muddy the waters by saying, well, it's not ju just Brexit that you're voting for, you're voting for all these other things as well. I mean, obviously, you know, it spectacularly backfired. It did, it did. And uh, another thing that I'm appalled at is you know, for example, the, the, the Liberal Democrats who want to you know obviously remain in the in, in the, the, the say it say the it. Liberal Democrats who are neither Liberal nor Democrat. <laughs> okay, so you know, obviously they, they want to they want to stay in the you know in in, in the in yep. the EU, um, but what what they want is to I mean that's, that's to fundamentally overturn democracy. You know what what yes. what 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 are they telling? The British people. So, okay, so we, we, we'll have a referendum on 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 anything, you know, or whatever. But if we don't get the result we want, we're going to use parliamentary democracy and the first past the post to overturn it if we don't quite get the right answer. Other than UKIP, who you can argue, you know, aren't a, a parliamentary party. They've had a couple of MPs by kind of accident, you know, for whatever reason. But the first party, yeah, ignoring UKIP. The first party to advocate an in-out oh, referendum on the EU were the Liberal Democrats under Nick Clegg. He'd say it every week. He'd say it every week in PMQs. I think what we should have instead is a simple in-out referendum. And then the moment that it was in any way slightly going to become Conservative Party policy, he was completely against it. 
So it's, it's, it's nonsense. They, they wanted the referendum, at least initially, more than anyone else. And then they became very unhappy that they had the referendum and then that they lost the referendum. And so now what do they want to have? Another referendum. See, I don't think they wanted the first referendum. I think they were saying it because they were banking on the fact that they weren't oh, going to get absolutely. it. Oh, absolutely. Um, no, they were playing politics. And, and this is the problem with all of it, is trying to discern whether or not politicians mean what they say or whether they're just playing politics or not. Well, so, I mean, how many politicians have said, oh, we need a, we need a people's vote, we need a second referendum? How many of those were against the first referendum? You know, you're a bit late to the democracy game. Well, uh, most of them voted for the, uh, the referendum bill. And so that's the other... Yeah, you can very easily say, you know, we've got you on record, on parliamentary record, saying you were in favour of it. I mean, it passed by a huge majority, the referendum bill, if I remember rightly. And not very many people actually opposed it because they didn't want to be seen to be against giving the people a, a vote. Um, yet we're in the situation we're in now. Speaking of the Lib Dems, yes. what do you make of the Lib Dem guy who resigned the whip this week? Ah, so this is the guy who's Stephen something. Stephen Lloyd. Stephen Lloyd. One so of he... the very few Lib Dem <clears throat> MPs. Uh, yeah, one of the 12. I think it's 12. Um, yeah. So he was, he, was in a rem he was in a leave constituency, I believe, even though there are such things. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, those, those figures... Should never, should never really be known, to be honest. They should have just counted them up and no, said, the UK votes to leave, yep. that's it. Yep. Anyways, but his, his, constituents, his, his constituents voted to leave, yep. and he said he was resigning because the Lib Dems wanted to remain, is that right? And well, yeah, so he committed to his constituents, I think in the last general election in the 2017, that he would respect the result of the re referendum, that he wouldn't... Uh, campaign for a second referendum and then he would back whatever deal the Prime Minister came back with. Now, right, so two out of three I think are good. <laughs> I mean, so, just saying that you're going to back a deal without seeing what the deal is, I mean, that's, that's pure idiocy. The first two, hats off. You know, that's, that's respecting democracy and respecting your constituents and, you know, a man of principle you could argue. Saying you're going to back a deal without knowing what the deal is that's idiocy. Idiocy. So you think he's an idiot then? Well, I, I, I mean, he's, he's a Lib Dem, so and he's <laughs> well, a not anymore. Well, oh no, he's a member of the of the Lib Democrat he's, Party. He's a mem member of the Lib Dem Party, and he's a politician. So, Do you respect him from? So yes, I think he's an idiot. Right. Um, but I, 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 I kind of respect his decision. I mean, so he's okay. So there, are, there are two sides to this. Let's let's forget the promises he made, what they actually are. The fact that he's resigning because he made those promises and said, and he's saying my party doesn't respect my you know my promises. Yes, yes. I'm going to stick by my promises and not my party. That is hats off, hats off. This is what I said. And that's my it. position. That's absolutely my position with him because what we need is more independent-minded MPs. Absolutely. We need them to group together when it's important for them to group together and and you know split apart when. When they've got something like that that they want to, to want to say and they want to stand on, if they've given a commitment to their uh, constituents um, that that might not be the same as the the you know the, the party stance, but this is a this is a problem. We're 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 treading dangerously there on you know how party politics works, the tribalism of party politics, how manifestos work. He arguably 
campaigned on a manifesto of the Lib Dems that didn't support the referendum results. I mean, to, to be honest, it was the Lib Dems. I didn't read the Lib Dem manifesto but at it, all. It sounds like that he told his constituents that he wasn't going to follow the manifesto, though. Yes. So in this situation, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of working well for us, I guess, because what he said was that he wanted to respect the decision. But what if there was a Conservative MP who said, I'm not going, uh, you know, I'm not going with the Conservative manifesto, uh, I am going to campaign for a second referendum or I'm going to campaign to stay in the EU. Well, and there then, are those. And then who, who resigned the whip on that? Would you, would you respect them for doing that? Uh, right, so is this a person who has a Remain majority constituency? I mean, I, I, suppose, well, I suppose we must be able to find one of these. They, they probably do exist. A Conservative MP that had a Remain majority constituency and who said and campaigned to the electorate that they wanted, call it people's vote, call it whatever you like, that they wanted to re-examine the thing, whatever, whatever, whatever. The parliamentary representative democracy part of me says, yes, that is okay. And that, well, okay, you said, should they resign the whip? Absolutely. Categorically, Yes. Right now, a number of Conservative and Labour MPs should resign. They should resign from their parties. There are so many MPs that currently exist in Parliament for, the, for Labour and the Tories who fundamentally do not believe in what their front benches are doing. So whether that's Anna Soubry and Dominic Grieve, or whether that's Chukaramuna and Yvette Cooper, okay... These are people that are currently on the fringes of their party. I think they still they still campaigned for their, their respective manifestos. I don't I don't believe Anna Subri said I don't care what that says. I'm going against it. I think she I think I, I think, think she you're probably I think right. She deliberately didn't say anything. I think you're about probably it. right. And had they your scenario was had they said yeah, yeah. to their electorate, um, but I think even without that, I think even without that, I think that we need more MPs. And again, this is just. This is just the problem with the current parliament. None of them are willing to backbone. resign. Yes, exactly. My backbone. None of them are willing to resign over this issue. They are. They are all willing to stamp and to scream. They're all willing to plough money into campaigns outside of parliament for things like a second referendum to overturn the first. But they're not willing to actually talk about forming a different party or just to stand as an independent. Um, even temporarily. Well, they want to keep their seats. That's all it is. Or, you know, any any politician. But there... you said this before. This is this is them not being close enough to their constituency. Correct. Correct. And this comes back to what we were saying about the, the the two or three or whatever UKIP MPs they've been. They haven't really been UKIP MPs. They've been MPs who've been quite good at being a constituency MP. Their constituency likes them, and therefore they got re-elected as a different party. Yeah, because most, most constituencies are voted based on party, yep. not, not, not a candidate. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you, could, you could have these MPs who are, you know, perhaps in Labour strongholds, um, and they're, they're not willing to go as independent because they know that Labour will just, you know, you could stick a donkey with a red rosette on it and people would vote for it, you know, yep. particularly in some of these, you know, North London boroughs and, 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 and whatever. Yeah. Um, so they just know they, they'll lose their seat. Yeah. So they're not willing to go against the whips. Um, so that, that's that's why they're not they're okay. Not resigning. So, is Ken Clark, who I used to I used to quite like Ken Clark. <laughs> I mean, he was always a thorn in the side, but I just I used to like 
his straight talking. I used to like the fact he just used to tell it like it was. Um, I mean, he's always been a bit, you know, Euro crazy. Um, but it just kind of didn't matter. That just became something that was quite... You know. So Ken, Ken Clark's one of the only ones who's properly stuck to his guns in that he voted against the referendum yep. to start off with and yep. said, I yep. don't believe... He, he, he said categorically, I don't believe there should be a referendum. People are too stupid to decide. It's up to us. For years, he's, I, I remember seeing an interview with him quite specifically. He said, I don't think referenda are a good idea. And he articulated it brilliantly. And he said these things are far too complicated for people to understand. And that's why we have the democracy that we have. If you do it with that, you could do it for anything. And he was a believer in the representative system that we have. But do you think that it's just because he's been in Parliament for, you know, 100 years that, and been a member of the Conservative Party for that, that he won't you know, resign essentially from the party on over this issue in order to stand as as some kind of independent or without the whip or whatever. I think he he probably quite fancies a seat in the House of Lords at some point, and he's not going to get it if he goes to an independent. <sighs> There's a lot of crossbench MPs. Uh, sorry, crossbench uh, members of the Lords. Right? Who would who would nominate him? Well, it, why isn't he there now? He's he's old. He is. He's the father of the house, or whatever the term is. You know, he's the oldest member of parliament. Um, if he wanted to be in the House of Lords, don't you think he'd already be in the House of Lords? I think I think that would have been part of him, um, you know, doing his time. Bear in mind, he served in government a few years ago without, uh, without a portfolio. I think he wasn't he the minister without a portfolio. Uh, no, he was the uh, he was the justice um, uh, for a short Secretary period of, of time. Justice. I think he got it taken uh, away from, didn't he? Uh, he he did, and I, I'm not sure he went for without portfolio or what, but certainly, certainly he was a Secretary of State under David Cameron. And that surely should have been enough for him to go, I'll do that for a couple of years, um, and then you know, send, send me off to my retirement in the Lords. I think, I th- personally, I think if you want to be in the Lords, that's, that's where he'd yeah, be right you now. Yeah, you, you could be right. Um, but I think... I think it's very difficult to have a conversation about principles and members of parliament. Welcome back to Sounding Board. Just to let you know, you can go to soundingboard.com and download all our episodes and read our blog posts. We're also available on iTunes, Player FM, Podbean and various other podcast aggregators. Please subscribe and let us know what you think. Anyway, Nick, you were talking, in fact, I think you wrote a blog post a little bit about this, about Labour incompetence. We've talked quite a lot about the Conservatism and, you know, what they're doing wrong. But you've noticed that Labour are doing very, very badly as well. Um, and they're not capitalising on, on, on the Tories' incompetence. I, I find this fascinating. And uh, this is, a, you know, a series of observations I've made um, ever since uh, Jeremy Corbyn became popular, for want of a better term. Uh, and so this is in the run-up to him uh, winning the leadership, uh, becoming leader, winning the leadership again, uh, and his general stance on Brexit. And, and then if we expand that out on the Labour Party's policy on Brexit. And so whoever seems to have the airwaves uh, at any particular point in time who speaks on behalf of the Labour Party has a different policy on Brexit. And I've noticed that recently, 
and I don't know whether this is just because it's been going on for this long, you know, we're two years in, that people are starting to, commentators, pundits, are starting to say that this is somehow Corbyn's political genius at work, that he can be all things to all people, and he can point to a soundbite of either him or McDonnell or Keir Starmer or whatever and say, Oh, no, 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 we, we believe in that. Oh, no, 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 sorry, you don't believe in that, you believe in the opposite? No, 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 look what I said over here then. And you can be all things to all people. Well, how did, so, okay, recent history, how well did that work out for the Lib Dems? Yeah, not too well. Not very well. No, uh, and that really wasn't that long ago uh, that, they were, that they were doing that. Um, but it's, it seems to be the, um, the, the dominant... M- movable, inconsistent position of the Labour Party that they are all things to all people, specifically on Brexit. Um, and I, I, think, I think that this is, I mean, we had this conversation in the week, how much of it is just sheer incompetence? Well, I think you, you made the point that people, people are now saying, well, they can't, they can't be that stupid. This must be, it must be a grand plan. <laughs> you know, they, they must be playing the long game. Yeah. Um, we think it's stupidity, don't we? I, yeah, I absolutely think it's stupidity. Um, and initially, right back at the beginning, when he became leader of the opposition, leader of the Labour Party, not a, not twenty four hours went by, uh, not, not a twenty four hour period went by without someone pointing out some gaff, and and they were gaffes. They were they were there were things that he that any normal politician would have done. And, that's, yeah, and again, his supporters will come out and say, I love that he's not a normal politician, that he does things differently, he says things differently, that he means what he says and all this kind of stuff. But now there's so much in the public domain since that point. I mean, you can go back to the stuff he said before he was leader and, and be very clear on his views. Actually, since he's become leader, I don't think he'd be clear on his views at all, other than the general, the general socialist thread that runs through everything he says. But he now espouses so many different views on things that it's just, it's very difficult. But also, the idea of the gaff has been completely removed from politics now. And I think it's because of Jeremy Corbyn, John McDonnell, uh, Diane Abbott uh, specifically. Uh, and and let's, I mean, let's be clear, Diane Abbott has had some absolute howlers. But so has Corbyn. And... They're not news anymore. It's like if you have so many gaffes, if you if you say the wrong thing so many times, then BBC interviewers just look over them now. They look past them now. Well, if you if you, ha- if you have Diane Abbott on your show or on your radio show or whatever, yeah, and she doesn't make a mistake, that's almost news. They isn't set it? yes, they set the bar so low, and I, again, I don't think that's deliberate. You could go into this and say, well, they're lowering expectations. Going in, if they lower expectations, then they only have to tie up their shoes on national television, and and that's enough for them to to get to get where they want to be. And I don't think this is that. I think this is just incompetence, pure and simple. An interesting parallel, I think, is with good old Boris Johnson, because Boris is the uh, is the equivalent of the of the bumbling, gaff-prone politician that seems to be successful. And if we ignore what the current Conservative Parliamentary Party think of him, because I don't think a majority of MPs 
in the Conservative Party would choose him to be leader. But I mean, eh, all bets are off. That remains to be seen if we if we get to a leadership election anytime soon. But the public love him. The pub the, the public still love him. Um, they loved him as a, a Conservative, a Tory um, mayor of London. I know for two twice. terms. For two terms. Yeah, um, it, it, it's crazy stuff, and they they still love him, and they love the human side of his gaffes. I heard someone. I'm trying to think who this was now. I'll, I'll, forgive me. It was something I heard in, in the last couple of weeks on a, I think another podcast. And it was, someone said that Boris deliberately, he enjoys deliberately getting himself into sticky situations so there's the intellectual challenge of getting out of them again. And I, and I kind of I love that. I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's terrible at the same time. You know, if he was Prime Minister, is it, let's see if I can bring myself to the brink of nuclear war before pulling myself back again. I mean, maybe I'm being unfair. But he, it comes from a position of being intellectually superior, or at least thinking you are. And I can get myself out of any situation. So let's see if I can get myself out of this one. I, 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 I don't sure, think not, Jeremy not, Corbyn is coming from quite the same angle. No, I'm not, with Boris, I'm not sure whether it's, let's see if I can get myself out of this one, as opposed to, I know I can get myself out of this. I know yes. I can say this. It's absolute get it. I, think, I think it's confidence in himself that he can, that he can do yes. that. With Jeremy Corbyn and, and John McDonnell and Diana, but it's, it's not at all. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, it's not just the, the fact that these Labour politicians are saying different things on different days to different people. It's, you know, think of all, everything else that's happened with them. So, I mean, how many shadow cabinet members have they had? Oh God, yeah. Um, you know, it's over a hundred. Yeah. Yes. Some people have been shadow cabinet members a couple of times. Yeah. So I think um, some people have resigned more than once. I think as well. so. Yeah. So and and how could you know how could they have possibly engineered all that? Is that deliberate as well? <laughs> it's um you know I, I don't think you should put down to intelligence, but you know something that where stupidity would do. Yes. Um, well, and the the uh, the parallel I drew the analogy was. Uh, was the Cold War in my blog post? Yes. Uh, which uh, uh, I, I I just I find this I find this fascinating as uh, um, as a, as a study on uh, the intelligence services on how states operate on psychology on psychology exactly on sociology on all of this and this was you know during the Cold War there was an arms race there was a nuclear arms race between. Uh, it wasn't specifically America versus Russia. It was it was the West versus the Soviet Union and, and its um, and its partner states. And what what uh, the you know the spy satellites and everything else on uh, on on the West side would show was these missile silos that were run down on the Soviet side that they they were poorly maintained. They and they. Uh, they, they 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 looked at the state of the arsenal that the Soviet Union had, and what conclusion did they draw? Not that they were superior, high five moment, but that they they must be so good at hiding how good their technology is. This 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 must be an elaborate ploy, in order to hide how good they are, and obviously it turned out to be com completely opposite. It turned out they were just rubbish. They just they didn't have, and obviously you know, the economy was failing, they didn't have the resources, they didn't have the money, they didn't have the people to maintain it. But the overriding feeling of the intelligence services at the time was, oh, they must be brilliant at this. 
So I think what you're saying is there are people thinking, well, Corbyn can't be that stupid. It must be a grand plan. It must be, yeah. you know, this must be deliberate so that he's playing the long game. Whenever the next election is going to be, he can point to whatever he's, you know, he can point to any angle he likes. Yeah. And I've had it. You even, know, this... even um, you know, experienced uh, political commentators. Uh, I mean, James Kirkup, who used to be at the Telegraph, he now writes occasionally for the Spectator. He wrote an article in the last week. Uh, saying exactly this. Like, look, look at this. Look at this good politics that he's doing, and I just think it's not the case. And I think, I think that, I think that people, as in voters, the you know, aren't aren't as stupid as that. At least, at least I really hope they're not, um, and that they'll they'll see through this a bit more. They'll they'll see what we see as as, as incompetence, um, and that that'll that'll prevent them from voting. Having said that. We get down into our least worst territories, where the Conservative Party are 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 so are so poor on so many policies now, and they certainly aren't in you know, diametrically opposed to a lot of the stuff that the Labour Party says. That the 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 fear is that actually turnout will be so low that you end up with either a, a, a Labour Party government or you end up with a coalition. Of you know them and the SNP, the SNP get their independence and prop them up and all of that, because there's not enough difference anymore between the left and the right uh, within our party system. Well, they're, they're both quite authoritarian, aren't they? So it's like you say, it's, do you do you vote for the Tories, which is socialism light, yeah, or do you vote for Labour, which is full on socialism? Um, and you've also got the you know are, are people voting for the Tories because they believe in what Theresa May and what the Conservative Party is standing for, or? Are they voting for the Tories because they can't stand Labour and they can't stand socialism? And it's, it's, it's you know what else do you do? That's the only way of, of stopping Labour from getting in is is voting for the Tories. But this is the problem, in my view, of running a campaign, uh, and and I, I mean this not just in the sense of a, a political campaign in the run up to an election, but just in general your your, your campaign stance, your, what you talk about, uh, the way you deliver your policies, on management on being better managers than the other side. And I think that's where the British system has, 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 has ended up more recently. It's been about you can trust us more to deal with the economic situation, with Brexit, with whatever, as opposed to the other guys. Well, but they don't make it about ideology. They make it about being better managers. We are just better. We are just better people at dealing with this. There are kind of two sides to that as well. So there's there's the conservative side, which is you can't trust Labour with the economy. They'll mm. screw it up. You know, we're the only ones who can get the economy on track. Look look at look at the, their past record. They yeah. always inherit, you know, semi reasonable economies, drive them into the ground. We have to take over and and pick up the pieces. Um, but on the other side, you've got Labour saying. You can't trust the Tories with public services. You can't trust them with the NHS. Yes. Um, you know they won't give them enough money, etc., etc. You've got these kind of two yeah. opposing views, haven't you? Doing that. Yeah, but you don't have on 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 the Conservative Party side, for want of a better term, you you don't have them saying, "This is what we believe in." And I know you're not a massive fan of ideology. You're you're a fan of. Essentially, the absence of an ideology. Uh, yeah, let every individual decide his own ideology. Yeah, um, and we'll argue about whether that's an ideology yeah. of itself <laughs> another time. But I think that what they what they lack is they're lacking a Thatcher to slam down higher and say this, this is, is what, what we believe. believe. Yeah, yeah, and they don't. Um, the, the the most they do, and I mean, 
again, this is you know sending out your best batsman, isn't it? Uh, getting Philip Hammond in a in a conference speech, you're wincing, to to talk up capitalism, isn't the way to do it, is it? Um, it, it they, but it's almost because they 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 just appear to be capitalist apologists. Oh, that's a terrible use of the English language, isn't it? Capitalist apologists. But that's what they seem to come across as. It's, it's I'm, I'm sorry that this is the way this works and that these people get really rich, but it's, it, it's the best system we've got. But they, 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 don't, they don't say, no, it's the best system that we've got for some very, very good reasons and that it's, it's better for the poor than any other system, that it raises living standards, that it gives people more freedom, that actually if you lower taxes you end up, you know, often with more money. All of these arguments and, and what, what you know, what, what, do, what do the rich do with their money? They either, sa- they either they, save they it they in save banks it, which, so that other people can, you know, can, can borrow yeah. it, or they spend, they spend it on things and, and you know... Which they, ultimately employs people. Exactly. Exactly. And they don't make those arguments. And... That what they do instead is say you can't trust them with it. You have to trust. You have to trust me. But what they need to do is, and again, it's, this is this is this is personality politics. I would rather someone stood up, and I think it would be a politically a vote winner if they stood up and said, "It's not about me. It's about these policies which anyone can espouse. It's about." And again, I'll use the word ideology because I think I think that the political right are scared of ideology. Because they think that if you talk in ideological terms and you mention the I word, that people immediately start saying, oh, you must be, if you're, if you're on the right, then that means far right, which means fascism, which means this immediate um, grouping together of you with uh, Tommy Robinson or you know, uh, whatever, whatever else is currently considered to be bad. Whereas they need to make it about the ideology of freedom. They need to make it about uh, being free market, free speech, free trade, and they don't do that. They need to, they need to reclaim the word liberal. They need to say, oh, look, look, this is, we are liberals, yes. look, look it up in the dictionary, this is what liberal means, this is what, you know, traditionally the, you know, the, the, the party has been in the past, yes. we're bringing it back, we are, yeah. we are, we are liberals, yes. um, and, 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 and to reclaim that word. They do, they need to reclaim the term equality, and they need to uh, reframe, I suppose, what equality means, and it, okay, equality doesn't mean it doesn't mean quotas, and no, and it doesn't mean uh, positive discrimination, um, because these things are these things are gamed. As soon as you introduce a system, they're gamed, uh, and and what you end up with is the opposite outcome than than you intended. But what those people that do espouse those views come up with is that they tend to double down on those policies, and it just makes it worse. And then they keep pointing at the results, saying. This is why we need it, but they end up in a cycle where it just. And I gets think worse. I, I was thinking about this recently. In that you're you're right about how the the, the kind of the negative campaigning doesn't work as well as yes. positive. So saying, you know, I mean, it worked okay for David Cameron against Ed Miliband in in that he was saying, you know, we're not this bunch of incompetence. I am not Ed Miliband. Vote for me. Yes. And you know, he managed to scrape through. Yeah. Um, didn't really work for Ther- Theresa May this time. Um, 
positive, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that the Brexit campaign or the Leave campaign, should I say, yes. worked in that they were saying positive things. We need to take back control. Yeah. This is how good it will be. Yeah. Global yeah. Britain. Exactly. Yeah. We, yeah, we can have a, we can have free trade with the rest of the world. We can, you know, we can we can have money back, etc. And they, they had the positive things. The Remain camp weren't say, they weren't selling the positive aspects of the EU in my opinion no, because there aren't because really there aren't any, any. <laughs> yeah. and they were just saying oh it'd be far worse it'd be yeah. far worse yeah. if, if, if we leave if, if we leave this is going to happen not a negative 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 as Even, opposed to saying think of what we could have in the future if we stay in the EU personally as I said I don't think that, that they could do that because it's it's an impossible task yeah um, you know it's 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 just well they didn't even take they 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 could have used they could have used things like uh, like like peace, like you know, and you, know, you can argue that the EU hasn't kept the peace that NATO, NATO has. But the point is, they could have at least said, "We are peaceful. We all we all trade with each other. This is this is a trading block. This is why we, you know, if you trade with each other, then you're not at war and etc. etc. So they could have said all those things, but instead they just said, "Oh, there'd be World War Three if uh, if we if we split," which is a different. It's a different thing. It's not. As I say it's not. It's not being specifically positive. And, and highlighting the positives. No, it, I, I think you're absolutely right. And the problem was that Project Fear, and this term is overused, Project Fear, obviously, but it, they, they think it worked for the Scottish referendum. We keep forgetting there was another referendum, but it was just a referendum that the rest of the UK wasn't part of. But certainly the Scots are referendumed out at the moment, and they had... A referendum on whether or not they should leave the UK. Well, they had AV first. Well, they had AV, they had AV. then they had the the, uh, the Scottish referendum, then they had the EU. Exactly. Let alone all the other Scottish Parliament elections and general elections. So, if anyone's been electioned out, then it's the Scots. Uh, but essentially, Project Fear worked, or you know, they they can certainly point to a victory in that. So they just deployed it again, and in fact, they're continuing to deploy it. So can we just can we just come full circle? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm conscious that we've been talking for quite a while now, and we probably need a little bit of good news, which yeah. we like. Um, it's good news for us. Yeah. So I, I guess this this is this is something that that's it's kind of local to us, although you know lots of people probably now know who he is. But our our local MP, uh, Charlotte Rara, is a is a Remainer. Yes. Um, but I think he's as uh, as much as I hate all politicians. <laughs> I think he's done he's done the right thing in that he's he's you know he's resigned his position. He as, was the first to resign when the withdrawal agreement came out. Correct, uh, because of his belief in democracy. Yes, and that the you know the withdrawal agreement was was so bad he couldn't possibly vote for it. Um, I think so. If our uh, our listener has listened to the Mogcast, which is the Conservative Home podcast that interviews Jacob Rees Mogg every couple of weeks, uh, if Jacob, they're listening to us, they've probably listened to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Jacob Rees Mogg pointed out um, Charlie Shvara and um, I mentioned a conversation he'd had with him because he was talking about his principles but also specifically his entire parliamentary career uh, and saying he couldn't, he couldn't bring himself to do it. He, couldn't, couldn't, he put himself forward and looked back on his political career and couldn't say, I was, I, I was there when it happened and I let it happen. And, and that's, that's, that's important for us. And that, that's, that's what we were saying at the beginning, is that, you know, what do yes. we want our Remain in Peace to do? We probably want them to look at the deal and say, hang yes. on, this, 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 isn't, you know, this isn't what the people have voted for, regardless of what my, my, you know, my, my personal opinion is. 
um, this isn't what the people voted for, and I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna stand on my principles and you know either resign. Not on his remain principles. No, no, on his on his democratic <laughs> principles. Yes. Well, and actually, I think his his principles of, for want of a better phrase, good good governance, um, of 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 what a treaty should be like. Again, we've mentioned this earlier. Should you be able to get out of the treaty? Does it split the United Kingdom in two? You know, all of these things that should be automatic rejections of this withdrawal agreement. He's pointed them all out. Correct. I mean, so this withdrawal agreement shouldn't have even got on the table for a number of reasons. Um, But like you say, it's embarrassing that a prime minister. But this is good news. This is good news. Sorry. So sorry. So some some people are doing the right thing. Yeah. And they're either resigning their positions as government or resigning the whip or whatever. Yeah. Um, So hopefully it's not over yet. We will still leave the EU eventually. And we have. And you say it's good news that for a long time we've said. I wish I had an MP, or I wish I had a candidate that that I could vote for that that, that believes in something we do. Um, he may not be the classical liberal that that we hope for, but he's doing the right thing on this, and that is good news. And that's a good place to end it. Thank you for listening to Sounding Broad. Talk to you again next time.